check. Okay, good. Hello, everyone. I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas, and this is the Adventures of Kayla and Silas, a podcast about everything travel. Each week we cover travel topics that we find interesting and that we hope you will too. So today, our show will consist of a guest, but not just any guest. It's Katie. Hi. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for showing up. We have lots of questions for you because this summer you took an amazing trip, and I'm not going to ruin anything for everyone, but your, your trip was amazing. Yeah. And we're very excited to hear all about it, and if you could just give everyone a short introduction about yourself and a little bit about your travel background before we jump into the story of this summer. Okay. Well, my name is Katie. I have traveled a fair amount compared to Iowans. I've traveled a lot compared to other people. I have traveled a mediocre amount. Um, (laughs) I was an exchange student in France in high school, and then I lived abroad in Kenya during college and worked abroad in Kenya later. Um, And then I was in the Peace Corps in Paraguay in South America. And I've traveled a bit in between and during those experiences as well. Very cool. So that being said, give us a brief overview of where you went this summer, why you decided to take this trip, and who you met on this trip. Kind of just the general big overview of your travels this summer. Sure. So I went to Europe this summer, uh, mainly because my best friend, she's a way more savvy and world traveler than I am. She's a freelance translator between Japanese and English. So she lives and travels and works around the globe, kind of on a whim wherever there's internet. So she had moved to France just because she wanted to learn French, I think. And so I wanted to visit her. And also I owed my French host family and friends from high school a visit since I hadn't seen them in 10 years. Sure. Also another close girlfriend of mine from the Peace Corps uh, had been studying in London to get her master's. So my, that was my made, main motivation for going to Europe. Very cool. Where were all the spots that you, you hit while you were in Europe? Yeah. So I flew in and out of um, Paris. I got to Paris and flew, well, I hung out in the airport for 10 hours because I had recently started watching Game of Thrones and I was also tired. So I thought instead of exploring (laughs) Paris, why not just watch five episodes of Game of Thrones? So I did that and then I flew to Lisbon in Portugal um, and I traveled around Portugal for a bit and then I went to Barcelona and from Barcelona, I went to London. From London, I had a very brief trip to Scotland, um, back to London, and I flew to Lyon in France, spent some time in Lyon, well, near Lyon, and then in the south of France, back north in Lille. I still have yet to explore Paris in my life, this being the third time I've been to France. And then I went to Denmark, and I was in Copenhagen for a couple of days, and then on a very small beach surfer town called Cleet Moller. <laughs> oh, fun. And then back to Paris, and then home to the Twin Cities. That is a very full trip. How long was this? This How- was six and a half weeks. I took nine flights in six and a half weeks and spent a little over a week in each place. That is amazing. We, we just did a a summer travel of our own not yeah. too long ago and yours sounds much fuller and very exciting. So, yeah, but part of me, you know, I, I've heard very brief tidbits about your trip and part of me wishes that I would have made the trip a little shorter and, or spent 
been more deliberate about mapping out the time I spent in each place or spent longer in each place. Um, I would have loved to actually have cut it short by either a week and a half or so or else stayed in France for the last two weeks just because it was really tiring moving around so frequently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's definitely something that we, when people ask us about trips and how should we do this trip, how should we do that trip, we try to advise not traveling as much during the trip. Get to a destination, explore that. But when you have friends in different places and you're trying to make that check off several boxes, you have no other choice but to do that much traveling. Right. And when you have kind of a time constraint, and I know for you, you kind of had your whole summer um, because you're off of school for the time being, but you also had a wedding, a family wedding to be back in the States for. So even though six and a half weeks seems like a really long vacation probably to most people, right? I mean, had it not been for kind of that family commitment, you maybe could have made those trips uh, between countries a little less frequently. Yeah. And um, there were even, there was like maybe two groups of friends who I wanted to see that I just didn't have time to. Um, There were some friends I didn't manage to connect with in Spain and some friends I didn't manage to connect with outside of Paris. So, I mean, six and a half weeks felt like a long time, but it's not long enough. And it was just tiring after a while. It's never long enough. That's usually usually the story with travel. Yeah. So you went so many different places. What would you say are some of your favorite stories from the trip or favorite spots that you hit on the trip. And let's, let's exclude the friends that you met because that, I feel like that would be the sure, answer just for location. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I anticipated loving Portugal and I really did. It was so actually what was interesting about my trip is, and I didn't plan it this way, but it wound up being cheapest country to most expensive country. So it went from Portugal to Spain Well, actually, I suppose France is a little bit less expensive than like London, but then, you know, London and then Denmark. So I liked Portugal mostly because for a lot of reasons. But one thing that was important for me is I've been traveling in, quote unquote, developing countries or the global south for the last few years. So this was the first trip I was taking in a decade that was going to be in places that were as expensive, if not more expensive than the U.S. And so I felt that it was a great transition for me to begin in Portugal, where it was quite a bit cheaper than the rest of Europe. And it felt a bit more humble. It still had that kind of Latino culture that I've gotten used to living in South America for two years. So I loved Portugal, inexpensive, absolutely beautiful. Lisbon is gorgeous. The day I got there, it was super hot, which I love in the 90s. And it's a huge bustling city with so much history. And it's right on the ocean. Um, It was absolutely gorgeous. And the food was just unreal. We had like this cold octopus salad that first night we got there and it was lovely. So I really loved Lisbon. I did very little exploring in Spain, but I loved Barcelona. I mean, I that's, I was only in Barcelona, but Barcelona is funny because it's the first I have tattoos. I have like a decent amount of tattoos. Um, in Barcelona, it's as if I have no tattoos. Everyone is covered (laughs) in tattoos, like full sleeves on both arms, legs, It is just like the trendiest, just a really, it just feels like a stylish, hip city. I still, I liked London a lot more than I thought I would, but London was super cool. There was a lot going on. It felt like there was always something to do. There were some really cool hip areas just for shopping. I bought a really cool vintage coat for nine pounds. (laughs) 
Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Scotland was obviously beautiful. And I that will be like my in-depth story that if you ask me about it later. But I have to go back to France. I mean, I lived in France when I was in high school. And just going back 10 years later as a 28-year-old woman, I love France. And maybe I'm negating it because of your question about people, because I do have friends there. I mean, my favorite story to tell about France that just absolutely touched my heart is that my best French friend from when I was in high school, uh, I haven't spoken French fluently in 10 years, and she and I have maintained very little contact, but we were meeting up the day I flew there, and my French has been supplanted by Spanish, and so the day we met, she starts speaking to me in French, and I can kind of understand, but I'm responding in Spanish. And even though this language is so broken and we're mixing French and Spanish and English, we just have, um, um, we click immediately, like no time has passed. Like we were just like oh, friends funny. we were back 10 years ago. Yeah. And I walked into her restroom later that evening past a wall, obviously. And I, I look and there's just photos all over the wall. And I'm in like 90% of them from high school, from these oh, five fun. months I spent. I turn to her boyfriend and I say, did she just put these up? Like, because I'm here and he's showing, <laughs> he's like, no, these have been here since we moved in three years ago. So that really touched my heart that um, it kind of reinforced this idea that the people we meet when we're abroad and the people who meet us, these are lasting lifelong experiences. I hold a lot of these in my heart very near and dear because I know how poignant they are for me as the person who's coming to explore and coming to learn. But that was right. really when it clicked for me that it was also dear for the people who were meeting me. So that was lovely. But to conclude, what I'm trying to tell you is that I love France. The food is <laughs> unreal. Um, the South of France is absolutely breathtaking. I like French people. I think they are like just cool. They are just like lovely. And Lyon is my favorite city in France. So... Yeah. What do you love about, about Lyon? So take this all with a grain of salt since I've never explored Paris. I've been in Paris once for approximately four hours and I barely remember it. I think I like stood outside that triangle. It's like it's a pyramid. You know what I'm talking about? The Louvre. Yep. Yeah. Stood outside that. <laughs> I have a picture <laughs> outside of it. And then I think I like ate some lunch. But I love Lyon because it's very old. It has a history. It was Part of it was built by the Romans, I think. Maybe don't quote me on this. Maybe Google it before you publish this. We'll, um, we'll fact check and great. we'll put something in the show notes. So. Excellent. But I do believe it was actually once the capital of Rome. So Lyon is cool because it sits on a hill. It's built on a hill. And then it has two rivers down at the bottom of it. And so you can see from the top of the hill is the oldest, most historic part. And then as you go down the hill and get close to the rivers, it becomes less historic. And then once you pass the rivers, it becomes like new Lyon. Um, And so it's really cool to see this demarcated history. It's also considered to be the food and the cultural capital of France, probably by people who are from Lyon. So like... (laughs) I don't know how accurate that actually is, but the food is very good. Um, I find people in Lyon and in the surrounding areas to be much friendlier than the stereotype of typical Parisians or maybe people from a more metropolitan part of France, which Lyon is metropolitan. But um, so I just like, you know, walking on the rambling cobblestones and eating delicious food and the river, the view of the river is just gorgeous. So amazing that sounds awesome i have not been necessarily inspired to explore lots of parts of france Mm -hmm. mostly because i lack language skills and Mm -hmm. i think that part is intimidating to me but leon sounds amazing and i think it just got 
tacked onto my bucket list. So very, very cool. So those are some of your favorite stops on the trip and some of your favorite places that you got to go. But Which was pretty much everywhere. Which was pretty much the whole trip. The whole trip was your favorite trip. But let's hear some of the funny stories because travel always incites comedy and silliness. And in the moment, usually these stories feel more frustrating. Right. (laughs) Can feel more frustrating. Right. But in uh, hindsight, they really are comical. What, What funny stories do you have from this trip? So I think, I don't know if this is funny or just ridiculous, but I met my girlfriend Ashley in London, uh, who'd been studying. She got her master's in one year at the London School of Economics. So she was tired. It was summer. She was ready to get out of London. And I was going to be in London for something like six days. And so she said, let's get out of the city. Let's just, maybe we should go to Scotland. And I said, great, let's drive. You know, why not? Because the train sounded kind of expensive and I didn't want to fly. So I had never looked at a map of the UK, uh, per my (laughs) recollection, wasn't super aware of, to me, the UK was like the size of Minnesota, like maybe like Iowa, maybe like a little bigger than Iowa. So we rented a car between Thursday and Saturday. We, we picked it up Thursday morning. It had to be back Saturday evening. So we got in the car Thursday and we decided we were going to go to Edinburgh. And I had heard great things about Scotland because my mother had been there this uh, same year for about two, two and a half weeks with her sister. Oh, sure. So naturally I was going to squeeze all that into a three day trip. Easy. So easy. <laughs> um, mind you, my friend can't drive the car because it turns out I'm the only one of all my friends who can drive a stick shift. And I've never driven on the left side of the road before. And my mother kept telling me how terrifying it was. So I didn't tell her that I rented a car. Well, I didn't tell my mom I was driving. I told her Ash would be driving the whole way, which was a lie. (laughs) So we rented this tiny car and basically left London at around 10 a.m., and stopped briefly in the city where Shakespeare was born. And when I parked the car, see, there's a lot of stuff that I don't love about the U.S., but one of the things that I came to love from this trip is that cars actually fit in parking spaces. In fact, there's usually like a little <laughs> bit of grace room to actually open doors on both sides and remove yeah. your own body and the passenger's body from the car. This was not the case anywhere that I found in Europe. So we had to do some maneuvering to get this car into the parking space. And my friend was a real pal because she stood in front of the car, which I never would have done if it had been me and I was the driver because I would have been afraid of losing my legs. And she stood in front of the car and helped me maneuver the car in. And her face didn't register this. But as soon as I stepped out, she said, you may have kind of scratched the bumper. So indeed I had, there was some big scratches. Luckily I never got, yeah, oops, (laughs) never got charged for that, which was very fortuitous. So we had left London at 10. We got to Edinburgh after 10 in the entire time that we were in Scotland, which was just a mere three, really, it was just a mere 24 hours Sure. on three different occasions. I had to ask people to, if you know, a manual car, you'll understand to reverse my car that I was renting complete strangers to reverse my car out of um, my parking lot or wherever I was on a hill because that's extremely difficult and terrifying to do in a manual. Yeah. Um, Luckily didn't have a mental breakdown, but felt really close on all three of those occasions, just sitting petrified in this car asking, you know, the next person who walked by if they would kindly just step into my car and reverse it on a hill. So that occurred (laughs) that night. 
we got to Edinburgh and usually when I travel, I don't do a lot of planning in advance, especially regarding hostels, because I always find that there's always plenty of room in hostels if you do it last minute. Edinburgh is the first city I've ever been to where when you log on to Hostel World or Booking.com, it was 99% booked um, a day or two in advance. It was very bizarre. So we got there and we're scrambling and scrambling. There was nothing available. So finally we found this hotel and I would always prefer to stay in a hostel or Airbnb over a hotel, but you know, whatever. Found this hotel. It was like a hundred bucks or something. We, you know, did this car parking whole thing, whatever. Finally got into our room. I was so ready to just go to bed. I sit down on the bed. My friend is, you know, getting ready in the restroom and I lie down on the pillow and the pillow's soaking wet. <laughs> Oh, just drenched. And I lift it up and the hole underneath is all soaking wet. And I kind of glance up at the ceiling and there's just water dripping down from the ceiling. Oh, yuck. Um, And so I tell my friend and she's like, well, we have to move. So I go back to the reception and there's a um, just in the mere 15 minutes we've been in the room, a new receptionist has emerged and he's a Scottish man with approximately three to four teeth. Um, and he's just tiny and shriveled and old and has like wisps of white hair on his head. And he's wearing this bow tie and like a white shirt with a bright yellow vest on top of it. And I tell him about it, um, kind of expecting that maybe he'll say like, Oh my God, like what the hell happened? Or like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And he just says, what room are you in? And I tell him, he's like, Oh, that again. All right. <laughs> he's like, types some stuff into his computer and he's like, all right, I'm going to move you to room 29. And just as I'm walking away, he's like, and would you do me a solid and just uh, pull the bed a couple feet away from the wall before you leave? I'm like, um, maybe, maybe I'll do that. So do we, we didn't get free breakfast. That's right. what I would have said. <laughs> so we didn't pull the bed away because it was heavy. And also I didn't want to. <laughs> Yeah, so we moved to our next room, room 29, and it's like down this hallway of just like very thick carpeting, so there's no noise anywhere, no windows, and I'm, I said to my friend as we're walking down the hallway, um, I said, does it feel like we're in The Shining? Yeah. And she's just kind of like, <laughs> where they send people to die. Yeah, exactly. So our room is, you know, 10 feet by 10 feet, not a single window. There's a restroom, not a single window in the restroom. I fall asleep promptly. I'm exhausted. Um, and it's pitch black. And the next morning, uh, wake up and, and Ashley goes, you weren't walking around last night, were you? And I said, no, why? And she said, well, in the middle of the night, I heard footsteps in the room. She said, "I, I opened my eyes and I looked at you and you were passed out. And she's like, and that was terrifying. And she, I, should, I think it's because you said something about The Shining, but I don't know. So anyways, the story fun. is that, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> so the story is, is that we, um, Edinburgh is very haunted apparently. And we walked around Edinburgh for less than an hour, ate some lunch, went to a castle that was outside of Edinburgh. And then that night, same issue. There was nowhere to stay again. This time it was 100% booked instead of 99%. So we had to drive a little bit south to stay in like a bed and breakfast. On the way there, we hit a bird. How big was the bird? I don't know. Oh, But good. I will tell you that as soon as I hit him, my friend's reaction, I, I never would have expected this. She goes, pull the car over. I have to pee. And apparently she'd just been like holding <laughs> her pee, but it didn't. It was about to burst as soon as I hit the bird. That was just like, I guess, the impetus for oh, wanting to. Yeah. So we pulled over. Um 
said a brief prayer for the bird we named Fred and then went to our uh, bed and breakfast and left the next day. So for the almost 24 hours I spent in a car to drive to Scotland, I was in Edinburgh for all of an hour or two. So beautiful, beautiful. That's, that's what I call planning. Yeah, that was (laughs) usually I get by with not planning, but that was didn't work. Well, when you've traveled as much as you have, you, there are certain things that you come to expect and you feel, you feel very comfortable. Right. And so there, there are trips that I've, that I've taken that we've taken Mm -hmm. that we go, Oh, well, we'll know, we know that we'll be able to figure out most of this when we get there. Right. Exactly. But this, this was not the case for, for Scotland. No, it was not. It seems like there's always that one thing that you just assume isn't that big of a deal. Like for us in Amsterdam, it was Anne Frank House. We were like, oh, yeah. that's a thing everyone goes to. Right. It's easy to get in. And it was like, we looked and there was one day of our trip that we could well, go. Well, this was th- this was two or three weeks out still that we looked. Yeah, I was, we like, we'll I was be even being tickets. a planner right. at that stage. Yeah. And it was like, there was one morning at the opening time that I could get us tickets. And otherwise, we were going to be completely screwed. It's like, right. who knew? Right. Who knew that that one thing was going to be so hard? Mm-hmm. So... What other, were there any other hilarities that ensued? Um, there were a number of hilarities. I, if I think of one by the end of the show, I'll pop it in because that, there are a few stories that top that moment. Um, but you know, a lot of bizarre things happened. Um, a lot of bizarre, some alcohol induced, some not. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, just a myriad of bizarre things. Well, as you're thinking of those mm-hmm. uh, and trying to ponder on them, which which ones you'd like to share on the show, uh, what advice do you have for people looking to book trips? We want to make sure that we provide advice to anyone who hasn't necessarily taken this trip before or who has taken a similar trip but is looking to do one now and, and what the, the climate is for travel. Sure. What advice do you have? So I would say Charles de Gaulle is quite cheap to fly in and out of. I think I flew round trip from the Twin Cities for about 600 bucks, less than 600 bucks, like oh, slightly wow. less, yeah. And that's that's a Paris airport. In case right. Sorry, in Paris. That. Yep. And that was also peak travel time. And I booked my tickets. I think that if you're going to travel during peak travel time, it's good to book your tickets maybe three months in advance or so, which I believe I did. I would say I always tell people to be flexible. I had very little of my trip mapped out and I just kind of mapped it based off of my friend's availability and all these places that I went. I think it's quite inexpensive to fly in between all these places. So I think a lot of people would do this by train, but for me, they're comparable prices and flying is just so much quicker. So I didn't do any of these by train. But one thing I would caution about flying, which I should have thought of before I went, but I didn't is I had a suitcase that can pass as carry on if it's not full to the brim, which mine was. So what I would do is flying between all the countries um, on these really cheap airlines. They're cheap insofar as you're not paying a luggage fee, but that usually includes one piece of baggage period. So it's not like a piece of luggage and then a small purse or a piece of luggage and then a little backpack. No, it's one piece of luggage. So if I were to do this again, what I would do is I would get what my good friend has. She has a travel size backpack. So the backpack, the entire thing counts as carry on. And it's one of these nice like camping backpacks. But then there's a detachable backpack. You guys might have one like this. There's a detachable backpack on the 
outside of the bigger backpack oh, sure. where you put your laptop and your expensive things. So then that counts as one piece of luggage. But when she gets in the plane, she can just unzip the top backpack and keep her laptop and her passport and all that with her while the rest of it goes into the overhead storage. Because, I mean, really, it was quite cheap to fly in between countries. But if you tack on and added 30 bucks to each of those flights, it gets to be a bit more expensive. And oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's what I would say. So to kind of go down the the road of, of the money situation, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know, you've been to some of the places that, that most travelers can say, oh yeah, you know, Paraguay would be fairly inexpensive right. to travel around. Yeah. And I think most people consider Europe to be this expensive destination. And you certainly can spend a lot of money in Europe, but... For someone who was kind of pressing you on, oh, well, that's not a budget destination. It's not within reach. What would you say to them about traveling to Europe? Well, what I would say is it was I didn't for whatever reason, I act like I live. My my friend's father, when I was in Denmark, said to me, he's this Danish man. He said this to me in his perfect English. He goes, is your father a very wealthy man that you're in Europe for six and a half weeks? And I said, no, incidentally, neither of my parents are very wealthy. So <laughs> that being said, I didn't do a whole lot of budgeting before this trip. I didn't, it was kind of sticker shock being there, but in retrospect, I did this all on about 5,000 bucks. So excluding airfare to and from Europe, I was living off of about 95 bucks a day which stretched really far in some places and not at all in other places. So not budget friendly. What would I tell travelers? I would say to be strict about your budget. The time I was strictest in my own budget, and perhaps you'll interview me about this in the future, was when I was actually traveling in Cuba, which is the cash economy, because I went there with a very strict budget of 2,000 euro, which I carried on my person. It may have been less. It was probably 1,500. And because I had such a strict budget and only 1,500 euro on my person, I wound up doing the entire trip on 1,000 euro. So if someone is really budget conscious, I recommend having a very set budget, knowing exactly what you can spend every day, doing mental calculations at the end of the day, or even you know writing them down on a piece of paper and saying, this is what I spent today. This is how much I've left for my trip, or this is how much I should be spending tomorrow or the next day, something like that. Um, Cause that was what helped me in Cuba. Didn't do a lot for me on this trip, but I still feel I did it <laughs> relatively inexpensively. Very cool. This, this has been really, really fun. Do you have any other last minute stories that you want to share that are any other tips or things that you loved or reasons why you suggest going on this trip to somebody else? Um, just a quick tip that popped into my head. Car rental is fairly inexpensive in Europe. Um, I found car rental to be a lot cheaper there than it would be in the U.S. In the U.S., with renting cars, my experience has always been that the further in advance that you rent a car, the cheaper of a deal you're going to get. Um, in Europe, I did not find that to be true at all. We went to the south of France um, and just drove around a car for like you know, four days or something and spent a total of like maybe 40 euros plus gas. It was very inexpensive. Wow. So I really recommend car travel if you can drive a stick shift. And I really recommend anyone who wants to become a global traveler or who is a global traveler, learn how to drive a stick shift. It's one of the best skills I have, honestly, as a traveler, because so few Americans can drive stick that I think it's really worth learning so that you're able to do that pretty inexpensively overseas. Very cool. Good idea. 
This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your stories. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, have to have her back. Yes, we will, we will have you back for sure. <laughs> Thank you. But that's our show today. As always, we ask that you leave any questions you have in the comments section below. Or if you have a specific question, feel free to email us directly or connect with us on social media. Our email address is Kayla and Silas at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest by searching Kayla and Silas. Once again, I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas, wishing you luck with your upcoming adventures. Bye-bye. Bye.